Hello, I'm Terry Schultz, and I am channeling Brussels, getting newsmakers, movers, and shakers to lose the lingo, burst out of the Brussels bubble, and have real conversations about the critical foreign and security policies shaping our world. It's the rest of the story, beyond the few seconds of sound bites that make it into the news. This week's Channeling Brussels is brought to you by the Atlantic Council. And this week, Channeling Brussels comes to you from Helsinki, Finland, where the first joint NATO-European Union Center of Excellence has been set up to counter hybrid threats. Few places know how to handle hybrid threats better than a country with an 830-mile border with Russia. Finland fought its way free of the Soviet Union back in the Winter War of 1939 and 40, but it's managed to have a productive relationship with Moscow since under heavy Kremlin pressure. Eleven countries, including the U.S., have joined the center so far. Others may sign up later. In this episode, I speak with Hannah Smith, the COE's Director of Strategic Planning and Responses, about how Finland plans to help partners with its deep understanding of its big neighbor and its preparedness for dealing with any threat to sovereignty and stability. I ask how she feels that Finland's special history, sometimes maligned in the past, is now being held up as a model. Well, of course, it uh, feels good. Uh, it is something that perhaps Finns have known relating to the security policy. I mean, obviously, like our prime minister said, we are not perfect and there is still work to be done. But um, I do think that the Finnish model relating to this uh, kind of comprehensive um, security way of looking at it, um, integrated responses, um, is something quite unique. And there is quite a lot that others could learn from that. Well, let's talk about that because it is very interesting. I don't think most people would be aware of it because it's not something that's obvious from the outside. But basically, business, um, NGOs, societies, citizens in their own homes, everybody works toward the single goal of being resilient as a country. Mm -hmm. Tell me how this works in practice. How does Finland well, go about this? I think that uh, you need to kind of study Finland then uh, with the broader perspective, uh, looking at the kind of strategic culture that has been built up in this country for, for already kind of decades, uh, if not uh, centuries. Not necessarily voluntarily. <laughs> uh, and not always voluntarily. Uh, and it's something to do, I think, also with the fact that uh, we first were 500 years under the Swedish rule and then a little bit over 100 years under the, the Russian rule. So there is that kind of a feeling that, you know, the unity uh, kind of of the people is the way of surviving basically and in security studies everybody knows that things are starting to work when there is a fight for survival so so in that way to put it simple way this could be one of the actions um, I don't know about this homogeneous in the way that it just needs to be people who think the same way to see the picture uh, a very kind of a similar way of, okay, that will create a certain level of homogeneity, but not necessarily ethnic, ethnicity in that way. Um, and it is a rule-based society also. Um, rules are very, very important for Finns. Um, and in that way, uh, which is probably something to do, again, with this kind of small country being um, next door, um, to in a Cold War time, a superpower, a great power. So, so there is a certain mechanisms, and I do believe that uh, if people actually start taking this rule-based approach, uh, then um, 
this kind of a whole governmental, whole society type of approach is not at all uh, too far off from others too. But let's tell people what that what that means in Finland. How does that actually play out in society? Because it's hard for those of us like Americans or people in, in bigger countries to imagine business communities all signing up to, you know, the government way of lo- looking at things. It's very hard, hard to um, to conceive of that. So tell me how this works. What is the whole of government approach when it comes to building resilience against whatever outside threats it may be? Well, in Finland, there is also uh, um, the kind of emergency supply agency which actually works together with the the private companies then uh, and has created a a network um, inside of that and I think that the the companies also get something out of it so it's in this case it's not only kind of money or profit but they do get information uh, and when they work together with the with the state in a uh, at least in a certain level And now we're talking about, again, kind of a crisis uh, aspects or something uh, unprecedented or unpredictable happening. So not in a normal uh, kind of um, way of life. So so in this one, uh, when the companies get an information, they also can plan their own kind of strategies better. They might get some advantages relating to infrastructure and, and so on. So it's not only like that, that the private companies are after a, a kind of money profit and uh, yeah. No, but it's not only in a crisis that you set the network up. You set the network up so that it functions in a crisis. Yeah, well, the, the network is in different, like I mentioned already, this emergency supply agency, which kind of coordinates uh, the private companies and, and creates a networks inside of that. And these networks uh, kind of exchange information and keep up. And then sometimes they have own practices that the kind of other uh, institutions uh, in a country that this the idea of how you kind of work together in a certain particular situation has been created and then it's trained. And the channels are uh, for exchanging information is, is kind of an open. And it, you, when you're talking about whole of society also kind of connecting to that. So there is this, uh, precisely what I said, that if there is this kind of a rule-based uh, way, which most of us has been kind of brought up with from the beginning, uh, that kind of automatically brings the idea that uh, that if I'm part of this society, the society feels better if I work together with it uh, and together with others. And then, therefore, I also feel better. This course that lasts more than three weeks that members of, of, of business, um, NGOs, uh, the defense forces, the uh, some journalists, editors, they all go together for three and a half weeks and take this very intensive sort of uh, collective defense class. Mm. It, that's a one uh, other way, of course, uh, with the professionals then, that how these uh, networks are also created or maintained. But we have two levels of those. It's a regional land defense courses and then it's a national one. And it depends on a little bit where you work uh, and what kind of issues, which one uh, you you kind of going to go to. But not everybody goes though. So the regional one is like that, that is tens of thousands in the way that it's uh, it's closer to 100,000 probably. Uh, and then the, the national level goes to between eight uh, 8,000 to 10,000 or something. And that's kind of the leadership of the country. And then the regional leadership and important people. But also um, it includes, for example, principals from schools. 
So, uh, so not uh, in that way, it really is a whole society approach. That's true. And, and also um, you teach things like uh, discerning fake news already in your schools. I mean, every uh, Finns are, are, you can't put one over on the Finns very easily. Yeah. Um, and how young are you teaching kids um, how to spot fake news? Well, quite young. I mean, I can uh, tell on my own experience, my 10-year-old daughter already uh, can come with the phone and says, uh, show a news and says, do you think that this is really true? Um, so in that way that she can kind of um, start suspecting if she reads something that doesn't make sense in her own mind. Uh, and then that she learns that she comes and talks to an adult also to check it. Before she believes it. Before, before she, she believes it, it. yes. Yeah. Um, and, and this then is, um, it, it's throughout society that people do not take, because you've been in the middle for so long, you don't take what the West says without checking it out, you don't take what the East says without checking it out. That's, a, that's very true, but this is also about the strategic culture, the, the way how, you, you know, you can't really, uh, specifically about great powers. So you need to be very careful with them because uh, obviously they want uh, a little bit more uh, perhaps um, to influence the smaller countries. And Finland views itself as a smaller country. So in that way, we need to be quite kind of, we are being taught to be careful. But of course, um, we can. what we can only do is to present the way how it is in Finland. Each and every country has to then think about it, how to apply this to their system because we know our system. But, uh, and each and every country is expert on their own system. So, so I think that it is more of opening up a little bit how our system works, what are the components in it, uh, how the schools play a role in it, or how the national uh, land defense courses play a role in it, or how the um, emergency supply agency kind of coordinates with the private companies and so on. So then it's uh, each and every country, of course, to what they want to take it. But I think it is quite important to think about also regional levels and not only a state level. Uh, specifically, so that would be maybe Baltic region as a region, or uh, yes, I mean regional level in a s smaller like that, but also uh, each and every country in a regional level. So to see, for example, cities or, or communities as as a part of a component to be resilient society. Uh, so not that it's only a state's responsibility, but also that it's a cities and communities that that can do it. And I think that might be one of the uh, issues relating to uh, kind of today's security environment, today's world security environment, that when we're talking about hybrid threats, uh, a combination of threats, um, not unpredictability, speed, cope, scale, um, and when we're thinking of, of kind of responses and resilience, I think the, the kind of national, regional levels, uh, small components might be exactly the key. How will they tap into your knowledge here? How physically does it work? Do you have seminars here? How, how are people going to be able to use your knowledge and, and what, you're, what you're collecting? Well, we're working uh, both uh, in the way that uh, our kind of strategic analysis is just kind of a conceptual pieces uh, to, to highlight uh, the situation today, uh, to give perhaps um, insights or ideas relating to how to, how to approach uh, the hybrid threat topic, um, how to understand what is going on in the security field. 
Um, but then we are also going to have reports which are just for the either member states or EU and NATO also. So direct also lines to the decision makers. So we have these two channels in the way that to talk to the decision makers, to make them to sit in the same table and discuss uh, and exchange the best practices. Um, and uh, analyze perhaps themselves also, um, because that definitely will enhance the, the larger international cooperation and resilience. What will be the first question that you tackle, or what do you see as the, as the biggest question that needs to be answered right now with today's security situation? Well, I think that the biggest one is to to first try to get the message out. What we're talking about, what we're talking about, uh, hybrid threats. What is the, the era of hybrid threats, which has been also kind of talked about it quite a lot. And uh, what is today's, how we would analyze uh, the changes relating to today's security environment. So these are the, the immediate uh, questions and then starting to go deeper and more detailed. Um, in into kind of different topics. The hybrid threat is everything, isn't it? It's a combination of threats. So there is always someone who uses uh, kind of a user or an actor. Uh, then the actor chooses several uh, kind of different methods to combine them uh, to create influence to try to reach their own kind of goals. So there is a, a kind of a flow in that one. There is a system how it, how it goes. So it can't be everything. There is an actor and there is a goal and there is action in the between and the action in the between uh, is the hybrid threats. Are you disappointed that not more than 11 countries have signed up so far? Because as we've said uh, over and over, you're only as strong as your weakest link. If one of us is vulnerable, all of us are vulnerable. Um, you know, Portugal may not be feeling the threat um, as much as Finland, as much as Estonia. But if they don't join and they don't learn it, then they're weak too. Then the EU is weak. Then NATO is weak. But I'm, I'm not 100% sure in the way that, of course, when you kind of set up something new. Uh, so it's always like that, that people want some, some are more cautious than others uh, and uh, want to see perhaps uh, what they could get out of it, how their uh, kind of thinking would uh, go together with something like this. So, so every country has its own uh, kind of perspective and thinking. Uh, I'm quite confident that quite a lot of countries will be at least interested in, um, and if not seeking membership, thinking of how they could cooperate then. But uh, in today's security environment, I would say that Finland and Estonia, because quite often when, when that distinction is made, Portugal, Finland and Estonia, we suddenly talking about Russia. We're, but but aren't we always talking about Russia? Let's no. be honest. No. Absolutely not. Because uh, it is precisely the thing that we have a lot of non-state actors also. Which, uh, which in fact can be sometimes even threatening, uh, more threatening um, than a state actors. And then when we coming uh, to the authoritarian states, which are very many in this world, um, can challenge uh, the kind of democratic states. In fact, not only their vulnerabilities, but the ones that we thought that were strengths, like freedom of speech or our rule of law or um, um, uh, human right issues and, and so on. So um, I think that it's, it's a much, much wider 
picture. And this is precisely why we need to understand that today's kind of security environment. There are a lot of countries who want, want to become a great powers. Uh, we're talking about very kind of fundamental issues like a world order, um, kind of great powers, graving for status, um, etc. And in that process, a lot of things can happen. So Russia is one of those players. Yes, in a Finnish and Estonian perspective, quite an important one. But um, uh, I think that today there might be more common between Finland and Portugal than 30 years ago. You think that, that it's going to be one of your tasks to say not only Russia? And can these skills that you know in repelling Russia also work in, in, uh, against other, other non-state actors? Yes, I mean that is exactly uh, I think which the challenge is also that uh, if uh, our model has been quite a lot uh, relating to kind of against another state basically um, a challenge that comes from the state. So now it is uh, in this current a new environment. Um, it's probably going to be tested whether a non-state actor against a non-state actor, the model is as efficient. And perhaps that is precisely the thing that we need to be uh, looking at more carefully and actually thinking about it that where the improvements could become. And another one one could say that is the pure cut kind of um, big disasters that can strike also, which, which put the um, uh, several societies uh, into a stress. Um, we've seen it, of course, in U.S. case, these kind of environmental catastrophes um, or, or storms, so on. But in Europe, with the European Union, um, in fact, if there is a big catastrophe in one of the countries, quite often it touches upon several countries. And then suddenly through the, also the European Union institution, it touches upon almost all the countries. So in that way, I don't think we can say anymore that uh, it's a fully different uh, issue, set of threats with the Portugal and Finland. Um, and this is going to be also exciting from the Finnish perspective in the way that we get to broaden. Uh, we perhaps get to find uh, the, the vulnerabilities in that way um, and to understand the, the kind of modern world and the connection between uh, the threats um, much better. You're going to be forging, asking new questions and trying to come up with no. new answers. I think that uh, this is precisely uh, how it is in the way that we have something to offer, something to add but it's not an answer to everything. And that's why we need an international also center uh, to work together um, with the several other countries and, and uh, with the EU and NATO as an institutions. That makes the team. That makes the team. That's Hannah Smith, the Director of Strategic Planning and Responses for the NATO-EU Hybrid Threat Center of Excellence in Helsinki. I'd like to express my appreciation to Ms. Smith and the hybrid COE for welcoming my visit to the Finnish Ministry of Defense for helping facilitate the trip. As always, my thanks to the Atlantic Council for sponsoring Channeling Brussels, and thank you for listening. I'm Terry Schultz. Join me next time.